0: Buenos dias, mis amigos. Hey, Clark Van Devender here again from Major Gifts Fundraiser. Hope that you are having a great day. All right, here it is. Part two, Major Donor Giving Secrets. In the last episode of the podcast, we had part one of this three-part program, Major Donor Giving Secrets. If you are just dropping in on the podcast and haven't listened to part one, you may wanna go listen to part one first. All right, this episode, this episode is part two of three. So in this episode, you're going to hear donors talk about personal moves like birthday cards. Uh, We've got some stuff on wealth screening and the limits of wealth screening. And you are probably familiar with the mantra, location, location, location. Well, after hearing this episode, I hope you start saying, relationship, relationship, relationship. All right. Without further ado, here we go. Part two of major donor giving secrets.
1: But I just want to back up real quick to that uh, quote from Rob. He was talking about there's three things that um, make him want to give a bigger gift. One was definitely mission. And then I think it was personal benefit. But then there was a third. Let Can we back up to that quote?
0: Let's play that
2: clip again. So, You know, I guess the answer to your question is the mix of caring about what they do, getting somehow personally involved Mm -hmm. in what they do, getting some benefit from what they do, or just a good feeling, and having a, what I would consider a legitimate relationship.
0: Okay, so there we have Rob. That's Rob again talking mission, right? Like, belief in mission, some personal benefit from the mission of the organization. And the third thing he identifies is relationship. And at the beginning of this program, i talked about how personal notes, anniversary cards, birthday cards are of increasing value. This handwritten stuff is of increasing value in our increasing, uh, increasingly digital world. And it's like, seriously, this is what it takes to raise money is, is something so simple as sending a birthday card. So, or I,
1: even even somebody said like crossing off their name on oh, a form yeah, letter right, and writing right. in their we'll, name.
0: We'll play that clip.
1: Or one thing you used to love to do is write handwritten PSs.
0: Handwritten PSs on, on uh, form one. letters. Yeah. But so these things do matter. Now I, we we're going to play three clips now. In the first two clips, the donors talk about the importance of of handwritten notes, anniversary cards crossing out the Mr. and Mrs. on a form letter and writing the first names. And it it, it may feel like, seriously, like donors care about this. But in the third clip we're going to play, it's the why behind these simple acts that really matters.
1: And these things might seem silly, like just small little things that take a minute or two, but they really do impact the donors. Just listen to Jim talk about how he felt when he got these cards from the United Way.
3: They do some things that uh, other nonprofits don't do that they should be doing, um, for, as an example. So, you know, they are large gift givers, uh, March and I every year will we'll get a birthday card signed by the United Way for our birthdays, for our anniversary we'll get something like that. You know, we appreciate what you do for United Way.
1: So, I mean, you heard him. He said that other organizations should be doing this too. And United Way was among their top organizations. So obviously they're doing something right. Okay, now we're going to move on to some new people, John and Lori Tilson. And they're going to be talking to us about how these personal touches have really impacted them. Clark, do you want to introduce John and Lori?
0: In this clip, you're going to hear for the first time from John and Lori. First, got to know John and Lori years ago when they were supporting an organization that I actually worked for. But it's been a lot of years, too many years actually, since they've been donors to any organization I represented, since I've ever been in their living room representing an organization. We've just been honored to be very good friends with them now for a number of years and uh, have been lucky enough to be at some of these now famous food and wine events that come up during this interview. By the way, a lot of the donors in these interviews downplay their support. I just want you to know, every single person we interviewed in this series, they have done very, very significant things for the nonprofit organizations they're involved in. at times, John and Lori downplay their support, but I'm telling you, I, I know what they've done, and it is special. The other it's organizations right. like okay. YAF and other who who's done a good job? You think it just, in general, thanking their donors?
4: Oh, I think YAF. Mm-hmm. I'm always getting letters from Ron, mm-hmm. and, and it'll be a form letter, and he'll... Cross it out and say, John and Lori, Mm -hmm. you know, rather than Mr. and Mrs. Tilson.
1: And, you know, they just go on and on about all the thanks that they get there. But we'll get to that later. I want to move on to this quote from Rob now.
2: If the contact seems genuine, and look, I know that the computer tells him when to send us an anniversary card. I get that. But a handwritten note is a nice thing, Mm -hmm. but it's not it's not contrived it's like i actually know the guy and i know his family and we you know uh you know but he's a professional developer he was with somebody else before that but he wasn't pushy Mm -hmm. you know and and the relationship was relaxed and it was comfortable you know he certainly had his agenda that he was trying to to pursue but i never felt pressured Mm -hmm. um and I guess that's the biggest difference is the genuineness of the relationship.
1: Okay. So there it was. Rob at the end said, it's about a relationship. These little gestures are really just about like showing people that you have a real relationship with them. It's not the, the scratching out, but it is actually that like, oh yeah, they do know my name. They do know what's happening with me. It's a real relationship that these people care about.
0: Right. And I've, I've worked with organizations that that have the mechanics down and it's like their heart's not in it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, like maybe there are people who are so good at this that they are able to mechanically have unparalleled success. But I, I think that to be really successful it actually has to come from the heart. Like Rob talked about how, like he doesn't want it to feel like there's a a relationship. He wants there, there to be a real relationship and and that's what these handwritten notes that's what the birthday cards that's what it's all about so like even if you think about it as an organization like your mission like there are other organizations out there with similar missions right um okay like are you going to tell me that like you're more effective okay but like still have to convince me of that. Like, how are you going to convince me of that? Like, it's not going to be through logic. It's going to be through a relationship.
1: Right. Yeah. And I think we heard in a lot of these interviews that, you know, these relationships actually help you to be a better timing, have better timing on your gifts. You know, like Jake talked in one of them about how, like, if you're going through divorce, it's not a good time to ask Mm -hmm. for a gift or... Right, if you just like bought a house. Wealth or... wealth
0: screening services will never tell me all this personal stuff going on right. in someone's life, yeah. right? So, like, you you somehow think that you're going to figure out through a wealth screening service who your best major donor prospects are? O- okay, like I I've worked with mega donors who came up on no wealth screening services, but even even if I could like figure out who my top donors were through wealth screening services, like. My wealth screening services don't tell me if my one of my major donors is going through a divorce or if they have a sick spouse or if their son was just involved in a car accident or they're in a in a legal battle over their business. Like, I know I learned this stuff through personal relationship. Right.
1: Yeah. Okay. I actually just want to play that quote from Jake because it's so great talking about the timing and personal relationship
5: and also ba- again based on what's going on in my life mm-hmm. and that's where that's where timing right is is so important and and I think I think why it's important to understand what's going on in in donors lives mm-hmm. right what major events are are happening right so like a prime example I've uh, unfortunately um been dealing with some partnership issues and and have have had to use the court systems to resolve one of one of the disputes which is not an exciting thing for me i don't enjoy that um but certainly it's hard for me to be thinking about giving when there's kind of this black hole abyss of i don't know what this is going to cost me. There's emotional and mental fatigue, Mm -hmm. um, right? Or, or if somebody's, somebody's, you know, trying to exit a business or, uh, or, or building a new home or, or just moved, right? There's all these little intricacies about, what's going on in people's lives Mm -hmm. and and trying to understand um what when to when the
0: timing right is appropriate right and if an organization knows you they know jake right they know this stuff's going on in your life right? for sure yeah for sure okay that's so spot on right like We know what's going on in the lives of our donors because we have real relationships with them. Like my personal relationships, I know what's going on in the lives of my friends, right? Because they're real relationships. My donors, those are real relationships. And I know what's going on in their life. And I know what's going on in their life, not because they're a prospect, but because it's a real relationship. I send a handwritten note because it's a real relationship. But Monica, I see, I'm looking over here at your notes. And you have in all caps and it's circled here the word longevity. And I'm not I'm not even sure what you mean when like why yeah. is longevity such a big deal to you right here?
1: Well, it just really stood out to me, especially when we were talking with the wolves and um skin, he was they were both just saying that like organizations that stayed around, those were the ones that they ended up giving the most money to. Those are the organizations that were the most important you know, Rob, I think talks about a development officer he's been with for 15 years. And the wolves say like, yeah, you know, we've been with this organization for 20 years. It'd be really hard now for new organizations to break in, but you have to have broken in with them early. Right. So you have to have a long relationship. Right. Like
0: I, I go into a lot of organizations and it's like, who's going to give me a gift now? And that's who they focus on. But it, it there's two things going on there at the same time. One is that it's hard to break through with these donors, like who are towards the end of life and it, that distribution uh, phase of life and ready to give big gifts. Like they're in a place in their life where they're they're ready to give away assets. So they're having a hard time getting gifts from those people because those people have already, they already have like long standing relationships with organizations they've been supporting for a long time. And then while they focus on those people who are going to give them gifts now, they're also like sabotaging their future success because they look at a younger donor who's not quite ready to give a big gift now, and they're they're not like cultivating that right. person and developing that twenty year relationship where that donor is eventually
3: going to give a big gift.
1: Right. Well, let's listen. Let's listen to these two clips because I think they do a great yeah. job.
3: But mm-hmm. it'd be very difficult at this stage. Uh, so for the most part, we give and uh, we give a little we give more to the. Uh, non-profits that we're involved with. Mm-hmm. You know? And uh, so uh, uh, that, that's just the way it is. And it'd be difficult for a new nonprofit to come into the equation for us th- that we would give any significant amount. Makes of. sense. Absolutely. Because there's, there's just so much there. We're already so much committed emotionally uh-huh. to uh, non-profits. Yeah,
0: it'd be hard for me to Coming here today and tell you, let me tell you about this organization. Right. And and for you to to get yeah. super on board with that organization. Yeah. You've got your plate full with
3: yeah. organizations you've been involved with for 20 years. Sure. It becomes Robin Peter to pay Paul, so uh-huh. to speak, a little bit.
2: Yeah. I'm trying to think if there've been any really bad ones. The only ones I would qualify as not good ones are the ones that didn't stick around very long.
5: Uh-huh.
2: You know, it's the longevity that really makes a difference.
6: Right.
1: All right, so there there you have it, they're talking about longevity. So that's two things that we've talked about really helps in having a having an actual relationship with your donors. Timing, longevity. And another thing that really came out strongly from from these interviews was if you actually have relationships with your donors, you know what kind of gifts to ask them for. So, you know, like the Tilsons, if you never actually went to their house and didn't know them, you wouldn't know that they love doing food and wine events. And they would give way more money in food and wine and raise way more money than they ever would consider giving in cash.
0: Right. So these these folks have put on events in their home where in a single event, they're opening $100,000 or more worth of, of wine. And right, yeah. these are these are seats that have been auctioned off and people are coming to their house and having a great time. And if you never took the time to get to know them, you would never know that.
1: Right. So, and then Jim, you know, he loves to be on boards and Jake, there's so many good quotes. right? Here. So
0: yeah, Jim, Jim loves to mentor people. If you never figured out that Jim loved to mentor people, you know, like you, you just never know what to ask for. So th- there does come a point where you are going to ask maybe for a specific project. And if you don't know what, well, well, like as Jake says, tugs at the heartstrings, you never figure that out. So let's listen to Jake.
5: So I think it's, it's looking at, and really understanding what's motivating your donors hmm. right what what tugs on their heartstrings are they are they physical asset people right do they do they feel good when they can see a building or a structure or do they feel good when when you can tie a number and say your gift helped 500 kids or 500 families or two families, whatever, or, or thousands, whatever that scale is. Right. I think that's, what's most important is, um, keeping you in the loop at a high level of, of all the initiatives, mm-hmm. but really diving in to the, to the, the heartstrings of, of the initiative you're interested in.
1: Yeah. Okay, right. So you have to know the donor and know what tugs on them to know what kind of gift to ask for. And here we're going to listen to to uh, John and Lori, and they're going to say the same thing. Like they don't give big cash gifts, but they do these wine events, which raise a ton of money.
4: Um, we don't. It, a lot of times we don't give large gifts per se, but we do wine and food functions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm which people pay a lot. Fortunately, word has gotten out and some people have paid a lot of money uh-huh. for these. So, and I know that they're going to good org- the money is going to a good organization and so I feel really good that people have been willing to s- open their pocketbooks to come to our house and have a dinner and and that money is going to a,
6: a good cause. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's where I feel good. Yeah, it's because we we met at one of these dinners we did. We met these people, really nice people that we've gotten to know and become social friends with. And so he joined the board of Lotus Lab. And so he came to me and he said, Johnny, I know you've done these big wine and food dinners like we attended there and all that. Would you be willing to do one for Lotus Lab? And I said, sure. I mean, any any nonprofit that asks us we'll always if it's doing we'll, it. we'll always do one you know we'll always be willing to donate one say if uh you know we got a uh, uh a letter from the like what the one we just mentioned from danny thomas if you got a letter mm-hmm. and said you know we're we're looking for we're looking for you know, we have this special fund drive to do such and such we need to expand. we're always
4: getting letters so, from them. I get the mail. Yeah, I get the the mail.
6: Yeah. Okay. Well, wait a second. Then. Well, why don't you respond? Did they? Did they? They send and say, "Well, could you do something special for us?" Or, or or are they just asking for money? If they just say, "You know, send in a donation," maybe we'll send in a donation. But we're going to send in a few hundred bucks or Mm -hmm. whatever. It's not. But -hmm. if they would say, "Would you consider doing?" If they were, if they personalized it and said, "You know, we understand that you do, you know, wine and food events in your in your in your neighborhood." And they've been very successful. Would you consider doing one for us? Yeah, I'd mm-hmm. I say not only consider it, I, my vote would be doing it unless mm-hmm. you override me.
1: <laughs> so they're really into doing events. Some other people are motivated by other things, like uh, the Wolves. They were really motivated by mentoring and being on boards. And so that's the way that they came to a lot of their organizations. So here's Jim talking about how he became a mentor.
3: Another uh, way that I, another nonprofit that I've been involved with and still involved with almost for 20 years is the, the Mentor, the Fighting Back Mentor Program. It's uh, similar to Big Brother, Big Sister Program. It's part of the Council of Drug and Alcohol Abuse. It's one of the programs that they offer, and it's a preventative program. It's for so, uh, disadvantaged uh, youth that don't get into gangs, drugs, and alcohol and those kinds of things. And uh, they had every year, uh, to recruit mentors they have a telethon and it was on the local channel three here at ABC and um, I was watching it one night and I thought you know that's something that I could do I've always enjoyed working with youth in terms of coaching and stuff like that and with our kids and everything so I thought yeah maybe I'll do that so that got me involved in the mentor program I agreed to be a mentor and I've been doing it for over 20 about 20 years now and then I also chaired the advisory board for the mentor program. There was about twelve people in the community, and then we would advise the mentor program and the council of government on alcohol abuse and how to improve the program, how to recruit new members, et cetera, et cetera. But it was through uh, a telethon on TV that mm-hmm. recruited me to do that, and I've recruited a number of people since uh, to get involved in the mentor program as a result. And it's. Uh, And that that one uh, we've put money in, but they also that in this case, you know, it's the actual mentoring and working with.
0: All right. It just, it keeps coming back to viewing your donors as friends and trusted advisors, not wallets with people attached. And I. (laughs) All right. That is the end of part two. Remember, don't miss part three, the next episode of the podcast. And when you've listened to all three parts of Major Donor Giving Secrets, if that's not enough for you, we've put together a written report, a written summary of Major Donor Giving Secrets. You can email me to get a copy of that report at Clark at MajorGiftsFundraiser.com. You can also email me to get access to the full audio. It's about five hours of interviews. If you are interested in the written report and the full audio, email me, clark at majorgiftsfundraiser.com. At Major Gifts Fundraiser, we're honored to have the opportunity to partner with organizations to help you raise more money than ever before by developing deeper and more meaningful relationships with your donors than you ever thought possible. The question is, why aren't you a client yet? Why haven't you signed up for Peak Performance Fundraising? Our program, Peak Performance Fundraising, is not only the best fundraising training available, it's a system for you to work. You get access to training videos and the course is broken down into 10 modules. And each module comes with challenge questions and action steps for you to take. Do you ever wonder, am I doing the right things? Like, how do I know if I'm on the right track? Sign up for Peak Performance Fundraising. You can also check out our program, the Noble Call of Fundraising. We have lots of other programs we offer, like our Major Gifts Startup, our Stewardship Basics setup, the Development Office 365. So shoot me an email to set up a call for us to talk about how we can help you. Again, the email Clark at majorgiftsfundraiser.com. Or you can just go to majorgiftsfundraiser.com. All right, remember. Part three of major donor giving secrets coming up in the next episode of the podcast.